0: Well, first of all, I want to thank you all for being here. I want to thank especially the pastor's kids and families and wives for being here, putting up with all the Baptist belly bumping. You know, hey, pastor, I haven't seen you forever. Uh, so, you know, uh, you guys deserve a shout out. I really do appreciate you guys. As I stand here today, I get a little bit nostalgic, and, you know, I may as well address the elephant in the room. Yes, I did succeed Pastor Nathan Raver, and I'm very grateful for all he's invested in my life And, you know, um, I I do get a little nostalgic, you know, seeing Brother Wadley here. You know, when you were in Niagara and when we were in Niagara with you, I think you mentioned Scott Pauley was your homiletics professor, is that right? (laughs) I I was watching Temple Baptist Church and their sermon archive on YouTube, and uh, Clarence Sexton, he was giving the introduction for Brother Pauley, and uh, he was joking, of course, and he said, Demas has forsaken me, and everyone was laughing. You know, I don't feel that way with Pastor Nathan at all, um, you know, not throwing shade at all, I promise, uh, but, you know, um, he, he's been a blessing to me, and so, he, you know, we'll, we'll text every once in a while, it's definitely a Paul uh, Timothy kind of thing, uh, Paul Barnabas, I don't know how you look at it, it's a 10-year gap, right, so I'm um, uh, grateful for all he's invested in my life, and uh, the opportunity that I have to serve at Anchor Baptist Church has been incredible, and thinking about homiletics professors and, and trying to keep things under 10 minutes, I'm reminded uh, of being at Lancaster, um, sitting over this side of the North Auditorium. Now it's the Kid City building. And after I preached my second sermon, Dr. Shetler told me, Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what you are, Brother Kevin? You are the poster boy. You're the poster boy going too long. And I, I didn't, oh. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not here for a long time, I'm here for a good time, hopefully. So uh, let's try for it, eh? Uh, John, the Gospel Coin to John, chapter number 15 the gospel according to John chapter number 15. I got six words, six bullets in this gospel gun and I just want to encourage all of us today. If words have meaning and language has integrity, then ideas matter. Therefore, I challenge all of you to read the Bible uh, slow enough and intentionally enough and with repetition in order to fully comprehend what God wants to say to you and to me at any given moment. John chapter 15 In verse number five, the word of God reads, inspired scripture reads, I am the vine, Jesus said, words in red, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we can't do anything without you. And so I pray that you would guide my tongue, guide my words. And we just want to honor you today. I pray that Christ would be uplifted and magnified in this service. And uh, thank you for everything we've experienced in this conference thus far. In Jesus' name we pray, God's people said, amen. amen. What use is it to have all this ecclesiastical pageantry? What use is it to meet in church and to be around each other, look each other in the eye and say, how are you doing, brother? How are you doing, sister? If God is not with us, without me, you can do nothing. Look at that first word, without, in that phrase, the final part of verse 5, without. Without me, ye can do nothing. Have you ever done without so that someone else could do with? Growing up in a Filipino family, we had to divide every piece of pie into five, okay? And, you know, um, you love mom's home cooking, but sometimes she'd go without, but she could survive, you know, wasn't that bad. Um... You know, I really need these glasses. Some can do without glasses. Things are blurry. They can still see. I'm reliant on these bifocals. But I tell you, uh, you can do uh, without a piece of pie. You can do without glasses. Uh, To do without wisdom is foolish, but to do life without Jesus Christ uh, is fatal. Without, without. Secondly, look at that next word, knee. Knee. We've had people wander into the church office at 7768 Wedgwood Street. They just wander in. And they had one question on their minds. Who's this God anyway? What's so special about him? Is he really God? Let me tell you about who he is to me. The heaven of heavens cannot explain him, let alone a man uh, contain him. The heavens declare the glory of God. The form shows his handiwork. Pilate could find no fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. The grave couldn't hold him. You can't impeach him. He's not going to resign. There's nobody before him. There'll be nobody after him. Look, please. Paul wrote to Timothy that evil man and seducer shall wax worse and worse. The Bible does not say once that the power of God will wax less and less. He's not giving us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. He's able to do it exceeding abundantly above all that we ask and think. And if we say that we believe in this God of greater things, then pray tell me why we live in a day of lesser expectations. I believe that we have a God that can still work in 2023. Men will let you down, women will let you down. You've got to look to Jesus, he'll never let you down. He's a miracle of the age, he's the superlative of everything good you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak, he's available for the tempted and for the tried. More than 2,000 years ago, there was a man born contrary to the laws of life. This man lived in poverty and was reared in obscurity. He did not travel extensively. Only once did he cross the boundary of the country in which he lived, and that was during his exile in childhood. He possessed neither wealth nor influence. His relatives were inconspicuous and had neither training nor formal education. In infancy, he startled a king. In childhood, he puzzled doctors. In manhood, he changed and ruled the course of nature, walked upon the ways as pavements. He hushed the sea to sleep. He healed the multitudes without medicine and made no charge for his services. He never wrote a book but he has um, uh, never uh, uh, really practiced, really practiced psychiatry, psychiatry, and yet he has healed more broken hearts than all the doctors far and near. Uh, once each week, multitudes congregate at places of worship to pay homage and respect to him. The names of the past st- proud statesmen of Rome and Greece, uh, 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 they've come and gone, and the names of the past scientists and philosophers and theologians have come and gone, but the name of this man multiplies more and more. Though time has spread 2,000 years between the people of his generation and the mockers at his crucifixion, he still lives. His enemies could not destroy him, and he stands upon the highest pinnacle of heavenly glory, proclaimed of God, acknowledged by angels, adored by saints, feared by devils as the risen personal Christ, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the living God. He's my saving grace. He'll reign forever. But best of all, he's my best friend, and without him, the creator of the universe, Jesus said, we can accomplish nothing. Nextly, please notice this word, ye. Ye. I know the congregation, I'm looking all in the eyes, I know some of you uh, are Canadian citizens, some some of you before, uh, you became uh, Canadian citizens, you were from America, and that word ye, it's analogous or comparable to that American contraction, y'all. You all, 'all, y'all, y'all come. Y'all come to our camp meeting or whatever, right? Uh, We've heard that before. And so Jesus was not talking to one disciple. He wasn't just talking to James. He wasn't just talking to John. He was saying, all of you, you all, without me, you can do nothing. And individually, without Jesus Christ, we can uh, do nothing. Moving on, another word, can, can. That's not describing whether you or I are able to do something good. There's none righteous, no, not one. Our best efforts are before God as filthy uh, rags. He says, without me, you can do nothing. Uh, He's not allowing or permitting. It's literally beyond your power and my power to accomplish anything significant or otherwise without God. Now, the next word do simply means accomplish. You can accomplish nothing. Without God, we can't accomplish uh, nothing. Nothing uh, means nothing. I studied this out in the Greek and what it means. It means zilch. It means zippo. It means... Nada, it means a big fat goose egg, it's nothing. And if you think you can uh, do anything without God, another Greek word for you, that's baloney, okay? You can't do
1: anything without
0: Jesus Christ. And I want you to really consider that. Nothing, nothing. Ponder this, when Paul got saved, he wasn't seeking Jesus, but Jesus was seeking him. And friend, the only reason any of us are seeking the Lord today is because he's first sought us. We love him because he first loved us. Romans 3.11 says, there's none who understands, there's none who seeks after God. So then why do we have this hunger? Why do we have this thirst for God? Because God created us where we would have a thirst and had God not created us to have thirst, we would never get thirsty. That thirst in us is a gift from the Lord. I tell our teens all the time that if you were saved from the wrath of God by buying Girl Scout cookies or donating pints of blood to the Red Cross, or walking old ladies across the street. That begs the question, how many old ladies are you walk across the street? How many pints of blood do I donate to the Red Cross? And uh, which cookies do I buy, the Savannas or the Thinmans? I'm telling you, man, like only God has the answer. Uh, For our lives, we can't earn the smile of God. We can't uh, earn uh, anything of our own merit. And that's why Jesus Christ died on the cross uh, for our sins. If you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, God is uh, pleased and He's overjoyed when He looks at me and He looks at you because He sees the record of His Son. I was placed into His history. History is His story. And when Jesus died on the cross and I accepted His gift of salvation, God the Father can look down at me by the grace of God. And grace becomes uh, becomes operative only by faith. And by faith for all I take him. And I took the Lord Jesus Christ. And now when he looks at me and he looks at you, if you've accepted Christ, you have the record of Jesus Christ. And he ever lives to make intercession for us. Christ died unto sin. He was in union with sin and with us. Therefore, when he died, I died. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. You've heard of the phrase to appropriate. And what that means is to put on. When I accepted Christ, when we accepted Christ, we were placed into Jesus, placed into his death, and placed into his history. Now, some of us were afraid of a strange fire and so afraid a strange fire that we have no fire at all, no passion for the Lord at all. Uh, understand that the spirit of the Lord, with the spirit of the Lord, there is liberty. We, uh, we must stand uh, fast in liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. The spirit of, of, of God is the spirit of Jesus. And he doesn't just lead, he is the leader. Christ lives in me, but it's by faith. And when I'm desperate, when you're desperate, often we happen into faith. Kind of like stepping into a hot air balloon. And the pilot will ask you, Are you ready? And he'll say, yeah, and he'll unhook the the, the balloon. And and whoosh, you're hundreds of feet in the air. And suddenly, uh, you see the vast expanse of life uh, and the mountains and, and the trees. And you see all that's around you. But you can get distracted and think, well, I understand that there was a law of gravity. Perhaps it doesn't exist. And I can do things on my own. I can fly on my own. And what happens is you step outside of the basket. And before you know it, you're plummeting to your demise. And that's analogous, and that's comparable to the law of sin and the law of the Spirit. The law of the Spirit, God has made us free. God has made us free from the law of sin and the law of death. And your old man is dead, your life is hid with Christ in God. Colossians 3, verses 3 and 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then ye shall also appear with him in glory. The same way you're saved is the same way you're sanctified. The same way you get Jesus is the same way you, you, you grew up in him. I mean, aren't you glad salvation is simple? And Pastor Turner, what, what, what if to go to heaven, all you had to do was walk around the block or to give $100? But not everyone has legs with which to walk. Not everyone has $100. Jesus made it easy. Jesus made it simple. All you must do is believe and ask. The same way we're saved is the same way we're sanctified. The way you got him is the way we grow up in him. I access this life by faith in Christ. He loved me and gave himself for me. Now we ought to be like Moses. We ought to pray like him. My, uh, as, as God said to Moses, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. Moses said to God, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Moses said unto the Lord, Lord, if thy presence go not with me, let's not carry this nation of Israel forward. Hey, let's not continue this conference without the Lord. Let's not uh, go throughout our Christian lives without the Lord. I think many of us uh, uh, sit with our arms crossed waiting for a pastor or a preacher to impress us, as if the evangelist could bring out revival from outside or inside of his briefcase. Revival looks like Jesus and we keep praying for revival, we keep asking God to revive our hearts again, and we we gotta make like Gypsy Smith and draw a white chalk circle around ourselves and say, Lord, revive me, revive me. Sometimes people will look at preachers and they'll look at us like we're too big for our britches, like we're unapproachable or hard to talk to, We need to ask the Lord to break us from our self-reliance, to break us from our pride, and to break us from our apathy. I'll close, and you know, that's always dangerous, because when someone says they close and they don't close, that's not good, but I'm really closing, trust me. Charles Spurgeon, in 1856, he started a college. He called it the Pastor's College, and in a few years after he died, they renamed it after him, so now it's called Spurgeon's College. Isn't that an apt name? And. Uh, When he first started the college, he was very interested in teaching preacher boys and and teaching young men to learn how to preach, uh, the art of homily. And what happened was that he he walked in the room with one of his associates and they sat down and they were listening uh, to this one uh, young man really shuck the corn, he was really preaching. He was doing a great job and the worst part of all is that he knew it. He was preaching on Ephesians 4, Five and six, he was putting on the armor of God, the belts of truth, preparation of the gospel of peace, feet shod, helmet of salvation, above all taking the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, and all prayer. And he was just waxing eloquent. You could hear the armor uh, slink and slide and click into place. (laughs) And uh, by the end of the sermon, to make his final point, he left off the platform and he said, now, where is the enemy? Charles Spurgeon leaned over to his buddy, and he said, he's inside the armor. Don't be prideful. Pride goes before destruction. Haughty spirit before fall. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 13, that love chapter, if you, if you change that word, I'm not saying change your Bible, but if you were to exchange that word charity to Christ, Christ vaunteth not himself, Christ is not puffed up. Christ is not easily provoked. Christ was not a grouch. (laughs) The children loved him, remember? He set a child in the midst of them. He said, suffer the little children to come unto me. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so I think, and I believe, that if someone is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, they'll have the joy of the Lord. The truth will set us free, but at first must make us miserable. And so, let's just remember that God loves us, and too much to let us stay as we are. He wrote to us all, without me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that Pastor Tyler would bring the word and we'd be blessed. Lord, thank you for thy word. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Pray that you cleanse us, you fill us, and help us to meet the men, the women, the boys and girls, and the Christians we ought to be in 2023. In Christ's name we pray and ask all these things. Amen.
2: Thank you, Brother Kevin. Great truth. Pastor Tyler, why don't you come? I remember, uh, I won't be able to introduce Caden and Bridge quite like this, guys. I'm sorry. I just don't know you guys as well. But I will say that um, spending some time with the young men and the young ladies yesterday, I'm so grateful for people that just want to serve the Lord and uh, be faithful. So Caden and Bridge, thank you for your willingness also to stand up here and preach in just a minute. But I remember when uh, our families would get together, Pastor Mackay and his boys and uh, my, uh, myself and my son, and we would play outside street hockey. And um, I don't know how much street hockey we played. I guess we played a little bit, but we talked for, And I, I, I cherish those times. I still do, really. But I also cherish seeing Austin married, serving the Lord, that's so encouraging. And I'm very also encouraged by Pastor Tyler, Andrea, serving the Lord. And it's very humbling, you know? But uh, it's a privilege. And I'm glad for Brother Kevin and Brother Tyler, BC boys, you know, young men. So I've been praying for you, so. don't you come, Pastor Tyler? Thank you. Thank you so much.
3: I would like to thank uh, Pastor Turner and the Anchor Baptist Church for hosting this conference and for the opportunity to preach. I can't really think of a higher privilege than to get to open God's Word and preach from it. So thank you, Pastor Turner. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into the message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word Uh, It is our greatest treasure that we can hold in our hands, and we do pray in this hour that uh, you'd guide the tongue of this preacher to speak on your behalf, and that your Spirit would give us understanding of these truths, and apply them to our lives, and help us to live them out. Oh Lord, as was just preached, we, we know how true it is that without you we can do nothing, so we ask for your help now, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you take the word of God with me and turn in your Bibles to Paul's second epistle to Timothy. Most of us are aware that this is the last these are the last inspired words of the apostle Paul, really his dying charge to his son in the faith. And he's writing this letter to tell Timothy, I have fought a good fight, I've finished my course. It's your turn. I am passing the baton on to you. And he urges Timothy in in the first chapter to stir up the gift of God which is in thee and to be not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord and to hold fast the form of sound words which he has heard of Paul. And as I I think about this, how Paul was passing the baton on to Timothy, I am so thankful for uh, heroes in my life in this room, Paul's who are passing the baton on to the next generation. I'm so thankful for my father and his faithfulness and my grandfather and people like Pastor Turner, who I get to see day in and day out, just being faithful to the Lord. And what a privilege it is uh, to take the baton from them. And so Paul is writing Timothy and he's saying, you've got a big job to do when I'm gone. you got to carry the baton and keep preaching the word. And Timothy, don't you think that it will be any less easy or any less or or any less taxing or or any less demanding than the job of a soldier or an olympic athlete or a farmer you're going to have to endure hardness and the text we're going to look at here in chapter 2 as he's leading up to it he's saying timothy just like a soldier if you're going to please your captain You can't afford to entangle yourself in the affairs of this life. If you're going to be like a victorious Olympic athlete and you're going to win that crown, you can't cut corners, you can't cheat your way to the finish line. you got to abide by the rules. Timothy, if you're going to reap the crop that God has for you, it's going to take sweat and it's going to take labor. Timothy, it's not easy and you get, the, you get the feeling that Timothy knows this, that he's in a rough spot. Paul's about to pass off the scene. Maybe at this point he feels like quitting. And so the text that we arrive at, Paul is telling him, here's what will keep you fighting when your hands are trembling. Here's what will keep you running when your legs are cramping. And here's what will keep you laboring when your back is aching in the field, Timothy. It's right here in 2 Timothy 2 verse 8. Here's what'll keep you going, Timothy. Remember that Jesus Christ. The word remember means to make a conscious choice to keep something in mind. Timothy, keep the Lord Jesus always in your mind. The writer to the Hebrews puts it this way, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. You're weary in the battle, Timothy? You're weary in the fight? Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Timothy, get your eyes off your circumstances. Get your eyes off your problems. Get your eyes off the enemy. Get your eyes off your stinking self and look unto Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ. I was reading a book recently and the author quoted someone as saying, what's the question? Jesus is the answer. What's the problem? Jesus is the solution. And Timothy in particular, I want you to remember His name, Jesus, the sweetest name we know. But if we're not careful, we can forget how sweet it really is. The name given to him at conception that reminds us that God stepped out of heaven to become a man who is not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Timothy, remember that your Jesus, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he knows what you're going through because he's been there. Jesus, his name means Savior. Don't ever forget, Timothy, why Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Sinners. And Timothy, the next time you're discouraged about the sin in your heart or the sin that abounds in your city or the sin that you see in your church or maybe even in your own family, you just remember, you're not the Savior. He is. You can't save anyone. You can't save yourself. You can't save your city. But Jesus Christ is an all-sufficient Savior. Remember his name. Number two, Timothy, remember his kingdom. Our text says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David. Those are not filler words. The promised Messiah that God had said from Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman that would come and crush Satan, the seed of David that would inherit God's throne. He came just like he promised. And may I remind you, he's coming again. And the next time you're getting impatient and your faith is weak and you start doubting the promise of his coming. You just remember the Jews waited for centuries and Jesus wasn't late. He wasn't early. He was just on time. And just like he came the first time, he's coming again. And Timothy, it will be worth it all. So you remember his kingdom. You remember he's still on his throne. But Timothy, also remember his death and resurrection. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead. Timothy, the next time you're feeling lonely, the next time you're feeling like God has forgotten you, The next time you're feeling like you're all alone, remember the Lord Jesus on that cross. His disciples forsook him. He became sin for us so that his father had to turn his back on him. And he's as he's hanging there, writhing in anguish, pouring out his soul as an offering for sin, Timothy, I want you to remember he did that for you. Oh, remember his death. But remember, that's not how the story ends. It doesn't end with Jesus on the cross, because on that third day, he arose. Timothy, you don't serve a dead man. Your savior is alive. Timothy, you're no longer a victim of your sinful flesh, because as we just heard preached, Your flesh was crucified and buried with Christ, and you're risen with Him. Timothy, you don't serve a myth or a fairy tale or just any other religious leader. Your Jesus is alive, and the resurrection is more certain, it's more historical than than anything we have. He was declared to be the Son of God with power preachers of the gospel we are not peddlers of just some religious truths we are witnesses of the risen Lord remember his death and resurrection but finally Timothy remember his salvation our text says Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sakes that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Timothy, don't get ever get over the moment when the lord jesus stepped into your life and saved you don't ever get over the moment when this became your gospel don't ever get over the day when you had your damascus road experience when the lord jesus brought you to the father and made you his child Don't you ever get over the power of the gospel to transform you. Timothy, you're not the same man today that you once were because of the power of that gospel. What a privilege it is that we get to preach this Jesus Christ. That this is our gospel. And Timothy, if you only get one thing from this message... Remember Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son to be our Savior. Help us to never get over your love for us. And Lord, there are men and women here and young people dealing with situations that I can't fathom, dealing with difficulties and heartaches. But oh, I pray that you'd help them to lift up their eyes and look unto Jesus. And Lord, I pray that he would help us to be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in your work. For as much as we know that our labor is not in vain in him. Lord, I thank you for this conference. I pray that you'd bless the remainder of it. And the two men coming to preach in a few moments, we pray that you'd empower them. Lord, we need to hear from you. Thank you for meeting with us today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Thank you, Pastor Tyler. We're going to take our hymn books at this time. And uh, of course, these, ch- these songs were chosen without knowing anything in relation to the preaching. But I really, I believe definitely in this case, we've just been challenged. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. And then we've been challenged to remember Jesus. And as we sing 372 in our hymn book. That's who we want to live for, living for Jesus. And uh, we'll, let you, we'll let you remain seated unless you want to stand up, take a, take a little uh, walk here in a minute. We're going to go right into the next two men, but let's sing this kind of as an invitation hymn while we're singing it and thinking about what I know you think about it when you sing. Sometimes we get to where we know all the words, but let's really think about what we're about to sing in lieu of Without the Lord Jesus, we can do nothing and to remember the Lord Jesus. 372.
4: Living for Jesus a life that is true striving to live O Christ for thee alone live suffer affliction.
2: singing. Weren't those lyrics amazing in line with what we just heard? I mean, uh, that's just how the Lord works. Okay, we have two more young men that are coming. We'll just have you guys come right back to back. Brother Caden Perkins, you come. We've been praying for you as well, and thank you for your willingness to come to Canada, but also to come all the way out here. And then Brother Bridge Thompson will come right after him, and we're praying for both of you men as you preach
5: the word. Man. Well, I'm thankful to be in the house of God this evening. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Turner, for the opportunity to preach. And Lord willing, I'll stay in the time limit. So. All right. But if you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you be turning to Matthew chapter 14? Matthew chapter 14. And we'll begin our reading in verse number 30. said Matthew chapter 14, and we'll begin our reading, verse number 30. While you're turning there, I'll take for granted that you know the text, but just in case you don't, in this particular passage where we're at, Jesus has walked on the water, and Peter is walking toward Jesus. And this is, like, this is probably a very familiar passage, and most of the messages that are preached out of here are about Peter's little faith. But I just want to look at this little passage and see what, we can, what else we can learn from it. But if you're there, Matthew chapter 14, verse number 30, would you say, amen? Amen. amen? amen. The Bible says, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And notice this, and when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the messages that have already been preached. We're thankful that we can always remember your name and remember who you are and what you've done. And Father, I pray that you would use this message to speak to your people Lord, would you please give me clarity of mind and clarity of thoughts and clarity of speech. And Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want to look at here is Peter's reaction to the storm. We see in verse number 30 that it says, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. That's very interesting right there that God would seem fit to put that in there. Peter, as you all know, was an experienced fisherman. Peter was used to being out on the water. As a matter of fact, when Jesus found him, Peter was fixing his nets, I believe. So we see that Peter was used to being on the water, and we see that this probably wasn't the first storm that Peter had been through. But this storm was a little bit different. The Bible says in verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. We see that, there, that the storm that they were in was contrary, that the wind was literally hiding them. And we see that their ship was being tossed about with the waves. The Bible even goes further by telling us in verse number 30 that the wind was boisterous. And that word simply means That it was loud, it was violent, it was ferocious. We could even go as far to say that this was the worst storm Peter had ever been in. And in verse number 30, we see his reaction to the storm. The Bible tells us he was afraid. And just to reemphasize, Peter, the experienced fisherman, Peter, who was ready to fight Roman soldiers to keep Jesus free, was scared. Not only do we see Peter's reaction that he was afraid of the storm, but we also see what Peter did. As Peter began to sink and as Peter was afraid, we see that he called out to Jesus. He didn't cry out to his other disciples for help. He didn't try to get back to the boat. He didn't try to even save himself. But the Bible simply says that in beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. Notice he didn't start saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, thank you for this day. But no, it was a cry. Peter cried out to the Lord. Peter was scared. And Peter was crying, Lord, would you save me? Lord, help me. Peter was crying out for the Lord to save him. Not only did we see Peter's reaction that he was afraid. Not only do we see that when he began to sink, that he called out to Jesus, but we also see what Jesus did. Verse 31 says, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. I think it's very interesting. The Bible said that Jesus stretched forth his hand. It didn't say that Jesus took a step to catch Peter. But it said they stretched forth. That means that Jesus was right there beside Peter. And that, I think it's also very interesting. The Bible tells us, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. That means Jesus didn't hesitate to save him. When Peter began to sink, when he cried out, Lord, save me, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. Because it shows, the Bible tells us this because it shows that Jesus was right there with Peter. Jesus didn't have to walk to Peter to save him because he was right there with him. And notice not only Peter's reaction, notice not only what Jesus did, but notice what happened after. Verse 32 says, And when they were come into the ship, notice this, the wind ceased. The Bible tells us that after Jesus had saved Peter, after they had walked back to the ship together through the wind that was contrary, through the waves that were tossing a ship, that when they got back to the boat, that is when, that is when Jesus stopped the wind. After Peter had got through it all, after Peter and Jesus had walked back to the ship, after they had gotten back to where it was safe, Jesus calmed the wind. And I'll make you a little bit of application here. You might be going through a storm right now. You might be going through a trial that you can't see the end of. I know if you've been a Christian for some time, you will go through a trial. And there's going to be some trials that seem bigger than you, that seem bigger than life. And you might begin to sink call out to Jesus. He's right there waiting for you to call. He will go through the storm. He will go through the trial that you're facing with you. We don't have to go alone. Jesus tells us that He will never leave us nor forsake us. The psalmist says in Psalm 23 that although He walks through the valley of the shadow of death, He will fear no evil. Why? For Thou art with Me. The Lord is with us, and I just want to encourage you, and I just want to simply remind you, no matter what you're facing, no matter what's going on in your life, call out to Jesus. He will walk through that trial with you, and He'll do it gladly. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You. We are thankful for the simple reminder that we're never alone. We are thankful that you are with us, even through our storms, even through our trials. And Lord, we praise you for this time. We praise you for your word, and we pray for the preaching. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Hello everyone, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, I'm not sure what time it is, so hello everyone. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of First Timothy. First Timothy chapter 1, begin with verse 12 here in just a few moments. As you're turning there, I just want to begin by saying it's such a privilege to be here. Thank you, Pastor Turner, for the opportunity to preach God's word this afternoon, evening. Thank you so much, Pastor Wiley, for encouraging us to come to this conference. And thank you for the Word of God that still saves us and that still convinces us. First Timothy, chapter 1, verse 12, the Word of God says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Let us open a word of prayer, shall we? Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another day of life and the day you've given to us. Thank you already for the messages that we've heard today. It's been convicting and challenging to my heart personally. But I pray that you would please send forth laborers into your harvest as we've been praying for. Father, I pray that you'd send forth laborers not just in Canada, not just in the States, but all around the world. As you told us in your word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, not just to those in America, not just to those in Canada, but those in Germany or those in Israel or wherever we are sent forth, that you would send forth us and allow us to answer that call with responsibility and with acceptance. Guide me as I preach your word. Father, please use my feeble lips to preach your word, and I pray that if there's one lost soul that does not know you today as their personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the glad day of their salvation, not just tomorrow, not just next week, but today, Father. Father, I pray that you please guide this message. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. As I was studying on what to preach on, I honestly wasn't entirely sure what to preach on, to be honest with you. But the lord put on my heart to preach my ministry life verse which is the verse i just read first timothy chapter 1 verse 12 and um i really thank the lord for just a little brief testimony for calling me to preach he really shouldn't have used me but he used me despite my flaws despite my inabilities god wants to use us one thing i'd like to firstly point out is when paul said who hath enabled me we have all entered into the lord's harvest some as senior pastors some as, youth pastors, some as youth pastors, or other ministry or roles. Regardless of our roles, it is of the Lord that has enabled us, enabled us into the field so that we may pray forth into labors, so that we may preach his word. We are all enabled, firstly, to protect his word. In Second Timothy, Paul also said, reprove rebuke, reprove, rebuke, and exhort pastors, missionaries, whoever you are in the ministry, you should reprove, rebuke, and exhort with patience and with doctrine. None of us are worthy of God's enabling, but he has, but he has, but, but he has you to help impact eternity. You could give the gospel tract to a missionary who could be a missionary to Africa or a missionary to Japan, but the Lord will know and the Lord will bless that, that gospel tract you gave out. So I encourage you to give the gospel to somebody. The gospel still works. It is still the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, it's not just for Canada, it's not just for the states, it's for everyone. We are unable to protect his word, but secondly, Paul said, for that he counted me faithful. And I'm thankful for this part right here, where none of us were counted faithful. As it was preached on a few moments ago, our sins, are our, our righteousness as, as filthy rags. None of us are deserving of God's grace, but God didn't want heaven without us. For God sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever, that includes you, that includes me, that includes the whole world, believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I'm so thankful for that promise and that words are, words are read in that Bible. See, all ministry matters as in the importance of it and the significance of the practical aspects of making ministry, works, or making ministry work. One of the devil's greatest schemes is to discourage pastors. I'm not a pastor myself, but I know that the devil will use faithful church members to leave and to discourage you from keep going on. But I want to encourage pastors, missionaries, wherever God has heavy to serve at, to keep going for Him. Don't let people please don't let, Don't go into ministry for people. Yes, people are in the ministry. But the number one the number one goal of your ministry should not be to win souls, but to glorify God and everything that you say, everything that you do. Also in 2 Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, to preach the word. Pastors and missionaries, all we all have the calling to preach the word, delivering the teachings with faith, uh, delivering the, t- the teachings faithfully, accurately, and without compromise, we shouldn't add to Scripture. We shouldn't add our own. And we shouldn't add our own thoughts to Scripture. It's good that we have our thoughts to Scripture, but we shouldn't say that that's in place of Scripture, because the Word of God is inspired. It is His Word, not our words. Amen. Thirdly, notice how Paul says, "Putting me into the ministry." Paul here is referencing how he was appointed and entrusted with the responsibility of serving and spreading the gospel. As I said earlier, God does not need any of us, but he wants us. And that's one of the most convincing thoughts that I've heard in my life, that God doesn't want me. He, he, if he wanted to, he could just come down from heaven and say, here am I, I'm am the Lord of heaven. But no, he uses a feeble man like me to preach his word, and he uses pastors like Ben, ben Turner or Pastor Kendall Wadley to preach his word and to say forth, for God so loved the world. Where are put into ministry to preach, we should prioritize in preaching and teaching scriptures to equip and to edify. Secondly, where are put in the ministry to teach, we need to recognize the need of spiritual growth of our congregation. Not saying this to pick on any church in particular, but some churches are so guilty of new converts just tossing them a Bible and say, go learn. That's not how the world learns the Bible. We need to give them discipleship. We need to feed them. Jesus said we need to feed the flock. And how can we feed them without a preacher, as we've been preached on before? And also we need to remember Jesus, as was preached just a few moments ago. Thirdly, we need to plant. Examine the need to to spread the gospel to the regions beyond you. The gospel is not just for this neighborhood. It's not just for Ontario. It's not just for Capuscating in Ontario. It's not just for... British Columbia, but the gospel is for everyone. We also are to provide, to provide care, correct, and challenge individuals to get back to the right path according to the Word of God. The Word of God is the most powerful tool in our arsenal. It's true from Genesis to Revelation, every word, every comma, every jot, tittle, every word was inspired by God. And also we are putting the ministry to lead. Be an example of living out the teachings of the Bible by demonstrating char- godly characteristics to keep the integrity of God's word. So many young people nowadays are struggling with the integrity of God's word because some pastors have not been faithful or they've been hurt in church. But I believe that the, if we keep the integrity of God's word, we keep the integrity of the Bible, that God will raise up a revival and send forth labors into his harvest. And just in concluding, how Paul started off by saying, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul begins this verse with expressing gratitude towards God, his divine call, and his divine deliverance to salvation. He was once a persecutor, but now he's now a proclaimer. We we may not all be persecutors of Christianity, but we all are called to be proclaimers. We're 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 all to fulfill the Great Commission. It's not called the Great Suggestion, the Great Commission, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We have so much to thank Christ for and so much could be said. But firstly, we're thankful for the commission, as I said. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And secondly, we're thankful for salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible says in, I think, Hebrews or 1 Corinthians, I can't remember, but today is the day of salvation. I encourage you if you don't know Christ come to him today. Don't don't wait a minute. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow is a, tomorrow is a mystery. I'm sorry. Tomorrow is the future. Yesterday is the past. But today is the present. That's why it's called the gift of God. Thank you so much and let's close in prayer.